Thank you for tuning in to International Family Church Podcast. Today is part six of our series, One Month to Live. If you've been enjoying the series, please let us know through Instagram or Twitter using the handle at IFCNE. Now here's today's message. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the opportunity we have to share from this amazing book called the Bible. We thank you that in it we find hope, we find answers, we find solutions. Lord, in it, Father God, we see who we are supposed to be, who we're growing into. And Father, we thank you for opening up this book today and and helping us to understand, especially in the seasons that we find ourselves in today. We thank you that your word will come across with clarity, with accuracy, and simplicity, so we can immediately apply it to our lives. And as always, we'll be so careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. All of God's people said, Amen. amen. Welcome to the final week, week six of the series we've been in called One Month to Live. It's a very unique series in that we are encouraging you and challenging you If you only had one month to live, what would you do? How would you live? What would you change? Think about it. If you live the next 30 days like they were your last 30 days, what would you do differently? Which begs the question, what are we waiting for? Why don't we do it now? I told you over and over again in this series to remind you this is not a series about death and dying. It's a series about life and living. It's about making all the adjustments necessary so we can live life at a high level of fulfillment, a high level of joy, because that's God's plan for our lives. In this series, we've been reading the book One Month to Live, and I would encourage you, if you haven't read it, to have it in your library, finish reading it. In that book, there are four chapters, four main principles found in the book, and uh, they are live passionately, love completely, Learn humbly, leave boldly. All those were very important. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Last week he did a great job on principle number four, didn't he? Uh, To leave boldly. And as you walked in today, we gave you a wristband with those four challenges on it. I pray that you'll wear it as a reminder of what it's going to take to live life with fullness and joy and fulfillment. Please wear it proudly and let it be a reminder of, of to you of what it means to live life to the fullest today. Today I want to talk to you and challenge you about how to fight for your family. Fight for your family. During World War II, Adolf Hitler, who had a desire to be a great artist, went on this massive art heist. He led the Nazis into stealing and plundering thousands of paintings, sculptures, artifacts, relics that represented the culture of Europe. The the plan was that Hitler would save these for himself. They would eventually build a museum that he would enjoy, that he would build one day. If it wasn't for the Allied forces that were established called the Monuments Men, Millions of artwork and artifacts would have been lost. A band of 350 men and women who were art collectors, museum curators, historians, all gathered together to make sure that not only would they target all the artistic sites, but they would do their very best to save as much as possible. 
By the time the war was over, they not only saved, but also in time returned almost 5 million different artifacts that were either stolen or taken, which would have been lost with the demise of the Third Reich. They worked hard. They believed in their work. Even though the Allied forces and combat soldiers didn't really respect them, they took what they did very seriously. In fact, one standout was 2nd Lieutenant Roramir. Roramir absolutely took his job seriously. Story is told one day that he stood by a chateau that was on the protective list. This chateau had been burned and had collapsed three walls. Only one wall was standing. But he knew it was an important chateau of historic value that needed to be saved what was left. He heard the rumblings of a United States bulldozer coming its way to knock down the remaining wall. He was so passionate about what he did, he stood in front of that bulldozer and said, you're not going to knock down that wall. Uh, a, a, a commanding officer saw what was going on and came and said, you have no authority here. This is foolish what you're doing. There's, this is only a piece of rubble. It's garbage. There's nothing worth saving. But Lieutenant, Second Lieutenant Roramir stood his ground. The commanding officer backed off. And even though there were many ruins, even though it was burnt, even though it didn't look like it had intrinsic value, because of Roramir's stand, what was left was saved. One man who, who made up his point that this was worth fighting for. Think about it for a moment. I want you to think of yourselves today as monuments, men and women. Because God has given you something very important worth protecting. It's worth protecting your family. It's worth protecting your wives and your children. It's worth protecting those loved ones that belong to you. God has given you a very big responsibility to value, to make your stand, and protect those that God has given you in your care. The bulldozers of the enemy are here. We know they are rumbling toward your house to do its best to topple the walls of your family. You can either let the enemy do what he wants to do or you can make your stand today and stand in front of the ones that you love and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to fight for my family. In the name of Jesus, not today, you will not destroy what belongs to me in Jesus' name. How many feel that way today? Absolutely. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose. Your family might be a mess right now, but God knows how to rebuild what has been broken or destroyed. Here's our big takeaway today. Here's our one main point I want you to go home with today. Listen very carefully. If you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. Say it with me. If you'll fight for your family... God will fight for you. Amen. See, if you want to live in God's highest and best, at some point, you need to stand up. At some point, you need to start fighting. At some point, you cannot be lazy or lethargic or passive uh, about your family and the importance of the legacy that God wants to establish in your home. 
I'm reminded of when God told Nehemiah at the time, a high-ranking official in a foreign country, and God spoke to him to return to his homeland and rebuild the broken-down walls of Jerusalem. He was overwhelmed by despair of what he saw. He was saddened by the fact that the, that the, the, the nation of Israel and the city of the inhabitants of Jerusalem had a, had, it was embarrassing not to have walls. It was embarrassing to be so open to plunder and to be open to the enemy. And he realized that he had a task to perform because of the broken down walls of the many battles. The people were broken down. The city was broken down. The walls were broken down. And God gave him an assignment to rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah gathered together the leadership of Israel, and he set to work. And here's what he said in Nehemiah 4, 13 and 14. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. Post them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. See, the enemy was coming to destroy the Israelites' homes. They were coming to destroy families and children, to de destroy possessions that people have worked so hard for. But Nehemiah was not afraid. He told the people, do not fear. Remember the Lord. He's great and awesome. He told the people to fight. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your families. Fight for your homes. It's obvious today that the attack of the enemy in the 21st century is on our homes. Do you agree with that? Amen. Absolutely is on our homes. Those values that we are dedicated to, those principles that we've committed our lives to are under attack like they've never been under attack before. We must dedicate ourselves to recognize that they are worth fighting for. If you want to win your family, if you want to walk in God's highest and best, it all starts by standing up and fighting for them. This message today is a warning to some. It's an encouragement to others. But it's a rallying cry for all of us to make sure we understand and that we are not casual when it comes to our families. Because when you're casual to the things of God, guess what happens? You become a casualty. We are at war. There is a war being raged against our family. There's a war being raged against your children, against your marriage, against what you have worked so hard to build, or what you've just started to build in your young family, or what you are yet to build in your family to come. We must understand today that because we are at a war, that we must not act like civilians in a war, but we must act like soldiers in a war. We must act like the soldiers that you are. We must act like Nehemiah did. We must act like these monument men and women did with their focus to, to rectify and to save that which was valuable. I love the picture the Bible paints of Nehemiah's construction project. In Nehemiah 4, starting at verse 15, it says this, When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. 
But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Look carefully what happened. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting the load and the other hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. See, these men were both building and battling at the same time. What a great picture. They had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. Man, what a picture of us today. We live in a time where we must build up our families on one hand and then fight on the other hand. Fight for what belongs to us. Fight for what God said. Fight for the freedoms and liberties that that many have given the greatest sacrifice for. When Nehemiah endeavored to rebuild the walls that had been torn down, immediate opposition came against him. Is your family under attack today? Maybe you have a teenager that's not serving the Lord. Maybe there's issues in your family of strife and contention that's making your family life very miserable. Maybe there's someone in your home that is addicted to drugs. Maybe you've not spoken to a relative in months or maybe even years. Maybe unforgiveness and bitterness are infecting your family. It's important today that we make it to stand. Decide today that you're not going to allow the enemy to take one more inch that belongs to your house. Determine to fight for the ones you love, for the ones you've given birth to, for the ones that you have dedicated your life to. Don't be content to let the enemy steal the treasure of your loved ones. Preserve your family. Remind yourself and remind them of what's important. Take responsibility for your family. Determine not to allow the battering ram of hell to destroy the loved ones in your home. Determine that we will see the will of God established in their lives. Get a sword in one hand and boldly declare, I'm going to rebuild and I'm going to fight until I see the victory in every area of my family. Amen. That needs to be your attitude today. Don't just pat a cake about it. Come on. Right? That needs to be your attitude today, that we will stand up and fight like we have never fought before. Here is good news. In fact, it's actually great news. God will fight for you. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4, 19 and 20, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. What good news today. What a great rallying cry. If you will fight for your family, God will fight for you. That's the good news when you're overwhelmed about, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to reach these teenagers. I don't know how to reach my depressed husband. I don't know how to reach my overwhelmed wife. I don't know what to do about these relatives and about the the challenges that are going on. The good news, if you'll stand up today and fight, God will fight for you. God has a strategy. God has the key to their heart. God knows how to restore. God knows how to reconcile. God knows how to do what years of human work have produced no results. 
Nehemiah encountered great opposition in rebuilding the broken down walls of Jerusalem. But he made up his mind with deep conviction. He boldly declared uh, to his enemies in Nehemiah 2.20. He said, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you, speaking to the enemy, but you have no share, no legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. They are making their stand, and they are saying, God will help us succeed. But you need to know, devil, that what you've tried to do is not going to be successful. You have no portion over my family. You don't have any, anything to say about my children. While they might be acting one way today, you need to know you're not welcome here. You need to know you are trespassing here. You need to know that your assignments and your strategies are not going to operate and work here. My children belong to God. My children belong belong to his plan and his purpose. Come on, somebody. My children belong to Jesus. You have no legal right to attack and claim my family. Couples, parents, young adults, there are two very important things that you need to settle right away today. You need to settle that you are 100% completely committed to God, and you are 100% completely committed to your family. Any weakness and any sign of backing down from any of those commitment to God or to your family, the devil will weasel his way in, and he loves to divide and conquer. He loves to separate. He loves where there's confusion. He loves when there's a varying opinion. He loves when the family is not united. He loves the fact when we want to do one thing or someone wants to do another, and we want to go a different way than God's way, and he loves to divide and conquer. Let's read the verse again in Nehemiah 4, 14. Let's read it with me, please, in Nehemiah 4, 14. Read it together. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, and fight for your homes. Wow. May that be a rallying cry for us today. Amen. God said, if you'll fight for your family, he will fight for you. Listen, we shouldn't be afraid to raise our kids in the 21st century during this time and age. Why? Because the Bible gives us great promises, one of which the Del Turco family has stood on for years in Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. I can't tell you probably the hundreds of times over the decades of our children raising our family and that we still do today that that verse is rolling off our tongue and that verse we are standing our ground and as a monuments man I am standing in my home and protecting the walls of my house and I am boldly declaring that no weapon of war formed against the Del Turcos will prosper and you need to stand up and say the same thing and you need to boldly declare over your children and your grandchildren that every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn Amen. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We must make our stand against the spirit of fear that's tirelessly attacking you, mom and dad, 
saying that your children don't have a chance or anytime they leave the home, we're in fear of what might happen and what might take place. And we fear tirelessly attacks us and paralyzes us to worry and fret over our children. And we must make our stand against that powerful spirit. Nehemiah rebuilt the broken down walls of Jerusalem despite the constant opposition that came against him. In fact, those walls that he helped build are still standing today. My wife and I have visited Jerusalem and we've prayed at the Wailing Wall. The wall that Nehemiah and his team built still stands today and they still pray over with and in front of that wall today. Those walls still stand. Why? Because there was one man who rallied a nation to stand up and fight for his family to fight for their families. There was a cause worth fighting for. We have a cause worth fighting for. Your marriage, your children, your prosperity, your freedom, your victory is worth fighting for. It's a cause that should wake us up in the morning. It's a cause that should make us stand vigilant every day. It's a cause that puts us on our knees and pray. It's a cause that makes us quote God's word. It's a cause that refuses to back down from the enemy and speak in faith and declare in faith what God declares over our house, over our money, over our future, over what belongs to you. It's a cause that wakes you up and says, I'm awake, devil, back off. Amen. That's God's plan, and that's God's purpose today. Listen very carefully. James Garfield had been the 20th president of the United States for only four months when he was shot in the back, July 2nd, 1881, by a would-be assassin. He lived just under three months. You would have thought that perhaps it was really the shot that killed him. It was not. The bullet didn't hit any vital organs. In fact, it got stuck behind his pancreas. But they tried day and night to try to find the bullet. It was before the days that the doctors even recognized that bacteria even existed. They thought it didn't exist because they couldn't see it. So for days in a row, They prodded with their fingers to try to find the bullet. They prodded with unsterilized equipment to try to find the bullet that was hiding behind the pancreas. Every day he grew weaker. Every day he languished. Every day it got worse and worse because as you can imagine, infections set in. And because of the infection, it was just a matter of time before the infection took over his body It was not the bullet or the wound that killed him. It was all the prodding and all the poking and all the bacteria that grew in his body that eventually killed him. You understand today that we tend to do the same thing with our own wounds? We replay the bad memories again and again. We talk about the the people that have done us wrong to anyone who will listen. We think of ways we can exact revenge. We poke and prod in our gaping wounds. In the process, we become bitter, hardened, unforgiving, oftentimes withholding the love from those who need it most. But this is not God's will. This is not how God wants us to live. He wants to give us a new beginning, a fresh story, 
a brand new start. He wants to heal what has been broken and reconcile what's been torn apart. And this is about understanding biblical forgiveness and reconciliation. Listen carefully. The first healing God ever did on this planet that is recorded in the Bible was not of a human being. It was of bitter water. Think about it today. When almost two million Jews who went from the salty Red Sea, traveled through the wilderness to Mara. And Mara means bitter waters. God didn't heal a disease or a broken bone. The first recorded healing in the Bible was bitterness. The New Testament calls it a root of bitterness. It's a root because it's underground. It's a root because you don't see it even though it's very active. It's, it's kind of strange because you never know where a root might come up above the ground. You can have a tree in one side of your yard and before you know it, unbeknownst to you, the roots are traveling and growing and suddenly you see a crack in your driveway. Suddenly your sidewalk heaves up. That's what roots do. And the root of bitterness is you might not see it for a while. But you spew and you spew and you spew and you prod and you poke and you become hardened and you become bitter. You become angry at what has happened, unfair as it might be, beyond your choice as it might be, maybe the worst mistake of your own life. But the root of bitterness rises up and God knows the only way you're going to be healthy, the only way you're going to be healed is you need to learn to forgive. I remember counseling a woman. This woman was overwhelmed, to say the least, because her husband decided to leave her and her four children for another woman. An amazing, vibrant woman, before our eyes, became angry, depressed, bitter. Didn't even look like the same vibrant woman. Her life changed, her posture, her look as you can imagine, it was overwhelming. Again, she came seeking advice and counsel. And I remember taking a moment and saying to her, the first step towards your healing is you're going to have to forgive him. As you can imagine, this wasn't very well received. With tears in her eyes and angry on, anger on her face, she said, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I got it, just like you would. I said, I get it. I get that the fact that your pain and what has happened unfairly to you and your children is not right. I understand how true that is the best that I can, not living in your shoes, but seeing your pain and loving you. And with all the thoughtfulness in the world, I began to realize what I needed to say to her while she said that her husband didn't deserve to be forgiven. And I paused and said, but to you? See, none of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve the grace that God freely gives. None of us deserve His mercies that are new every morning. None of us deserve to be loved with an unconditional, unfailing, unstoppable love. All around us this morning are estranged parents from their children. All around us today are people that... that 
family members, they haven't talked to their family for years, even though they're only miles away. There are grandchildren that haven't even met their grandparents. There are good people that are suffering today because of a past abuse. And because of the injustice and the pain, they're finding it very difficult to have healthy relationships with their family today. There are people, maybe even in our midst, that lost a loved one. And because of your hurt, you don't even know how to begin the ones, to love the ones that are left. Oh my goodness, the pain, the challenge, the hurt, overwhelmed by life. See, we can mend brokenness that has plagued our families for generations. In fact, the Apostle Paul says something so powerful in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, just as Jesus, in spite of our sin, has reconciled us to God, he then gives us an assignment and says, so I give you the ministry of reconciliation. Not only did Jesus reconcile us to God, now he says, if you are a follower of Jesus, you too should be a reconciler to others. Man, that's a tall order. That's not easy to do. We recognize how hard that is, but it's never wrong to love. It's never out of order to forgive. It's never a compromise to reconcile. It's never lowering your standards when you pursue restoration. In fact, when you fight for your family, you're fighting for your own freedom. Don't quit. Don't stop fighting. Don't let go. Press through the pain. Press through the agony. Press through the memories. Press through the depression. Press through the suicidal thoughts. Press through the discouragement. Make your stand today. Rise up and say, in the midst of my pain, I'll not give into it. In the midst of my hell, I'm breaking through. I'll go through the hell to the other side because it's worth it. My family is worth it. My children are worth it. My sanity is worth it. My future is worth it. My opportunities that are waiting for me is worth it. I will not disqualify myself because of what some other jerk did in my life because of what somebody else's stupid decision was. I will not allow them to cause my future not to be prosperous. Stand your ground today. Rise up and fight today. Come on. So you got to understand today, if you're standing, you're winning. Oh, it might not look like you're winning. It might not feel like you're winning. You might not see the results just yet about that you're showing that you're winning. But if you're standing today, good for you. If you're standing today, I applaud you today. If you're standing today, God bless you. Keep on standing. Because when you're standing, you're winning. Hallelujah. See, I get this. I get the hurt. I get this because I'm not telling you something I have not done myself. When my marriage went through hell and looked like it would end up in a divorce, when my own family went through hellish experiences, 
we had to make our stand. We made plenty of mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes making my stand, but I'm grateful today when I see my children's marriages and their amazing spouses, and I see these five amazing grandchildren. I say, thank you, Jesus. My wife and I didn't get a divorce. Thank you, Jesus, we stood our ground. Thank you, Jesus, we fought. Thank you, Jesus, we stood. Thank you, Jesus, we didn't kill each other. Right? Amen. So oftentimes I stood up here very unqualified to be your pastor because of what I was going through, because of what we were going through. I felt like, who am I to preach God's word? And I'm hanging by a thread myself. Some moments change everything about you and your family for the rest of your lives. I get it. Whether a loss, a betrayal, an addiction, an infidelity. Without a doubt, these things are amazing dynamics that change relationships. But God creates all things new. It's time to let him give you a new beginning. It's time to allow God to bind up your wounds and to heal your bruises. I love these words written by the ancient prophet. They're so good. Isaiah 30, 26. It says, Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day that the Lord binds up the bruise of his people and heals the stroke of their wound. How powerful. What does that mean? It means if you let God heal your wounded places, your nights will become like days and your days will shine seven times brighter. Wow. Think about it for the moment. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be reconciled? Do you want to continue being hurt? Or do you want to be healed? Do you want to continue being the victim? Or do you want to be start, start becoming whole? See, it's your choice. Remember our big takeaway. If you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. God will fight for you. If you stand up today and fight for your freedom, God will fight for you. You deserve to be free. You deserve to be healed. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be free. You deserve to be in the walking in all the blessings that God has in store for you. God is no respecter of people. He's an equal opportunity redeemer. And wherever you find yourself right now, there's better for you. There's a new beginning for you. But you got to stand up and fight. Don't roll over. And don't fall asleep at the wheel. Don't be so naive to think that there's not a battle for your family going on right now, right underneath your nose. Don't it ever let it be said that you fell asleep on your watch. But you're going to stand up on this Mother's Day today. You're going to stand up and fight for your family. That was the whole purpose of the book, the whole purpose of one month to live, the whole purpose of making all these adjustments, the whole purpose of living passionately, loving completely, learning humbly, and leaving boldly. The whole purpose was living that little dash between your birth date and your eventual death date. And that little dash 
that you have control over, no control over the birth date, no control over the death dates, but you've got a massive amount of control over the little dash that represents how you live, that represents what your priorities were, represent what you stood up and fought for. Wow. Only heaven will tell the complete story of how successful we will be as we make our stand here on earth. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven and the rest of my family gets to heaven, I want to be able to look around and say, wow, look what the Lord has done. We're here. All of us here. Why? Because down there on earth, we took our faith stand. Because when you fight for your family, God will fight for you. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Come on, give give the Lord praise today for his goodness. Come on, thank him today. Thank him today. Listen very carefully as your eyes are closed today. I want to help you make your stand today. You know what the condition of your family is. You know what's going on in your life today. You know what you need or what your family needs. I want us to make a bold declaration that it's time for us to fight. If this message has touched your life in some way, if this message has has warned you, this message has helped you, this message has encouraged you to make your bold stand because of a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife or a loved one or some situation in your home, I want you to make your stand today. So much so that I want you to get out of your seat over the next few minutes and I want you to come forward as one big group. Let's make our stand today. Who are you? Who are you, the one who wants to stand? The one who say, I'll stand for my kids. I'll stand for my marriage. Come on, come forward today. Come on, let's make our stand over these next few minutes. I'll make my stand. Be one big group here in the middle. I'll make my stand today. I'll stand my ground today. I'll not back down today. I'll be a Nehemiah today. I'll be a monument man and woman today. Man and woman, yes, I will. I'll make my stand. Back off, devil. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. Come on, children. Come on, grandparents. Let's make our stand today. Come on, come close. Let's raise our hands towards heaven. Come on, let's make our stand in faith together. Pastor Josh, who leads our pastor, our, our, our family ministries, is going to come and pray. Be in agreement together right now in Jesus' name. Let's make our stand in faith today. Dear Heavenly Father, we commit together to take a stand for our families. We say today, for us in our households, we will serve the Lord. So Father, we, re- we release the past. We release regret. We release hurt, anxiety, situations and circumstances that would keep us from fulfilling the perfect plan of God for our lives, for our families. Lord, we will fulfill the destiny that you've placed upon each and every family in this place. Satan, we serve you. Notice today, you no longer have a foothold in any relationship, in any circumstance. Father, we thank you that our sons and daughters are coming home. Thank you, Father. We thank you that our families are whole and complete, missing nothing. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to lead us. Yes. To guide us, give us the boldness to continue moving towards your perfect plan for our life. 
Father, I thank you for every single person, every single mother, every single father. Thank you, Father. Child, son, daughter, grandchild represented in this house. Thank you, Father. Lord, we say today they belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. Count on us. Use us to be the leaders of our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise today. Yeah, we believe it, Father. We believe it, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can stay right where you are for a moment. With every head bowed, please. I want to make sure that everyone in this room today that needs to know Jesus has an opportunity to open up your heart and let the King of kings and Lord of lords come live in your heart today. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you from your sin, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you don't sure you're right with God or heaven is your home, there can be a brand new beginning in your life today. All it requires is you to open up your heart and say, Jesus, I declare you as my Lord. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And a brand new beginning and a brand new start can be yours today. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I've not asked him to come into my heart, but I want to. I am in desperate need of a new beginning. If that's you today, will you raise your hand nice and high wherever you are right now? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see him. Thank you, thank you. Good for you. Thank you. Yes, who else? Raise it up high today. I want to pray with you in just in a moment. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise it up high today. Yes, thank you, sir. Who else? God bless you today. See, what an important understanding. If you don't know Jesus, then his ability and his power is not living inside of you. You've worked hard to do this on your own. But God will fight for you. Jesus will stand up with you as you declare him as your Lord and Savior. Anybody else will say, yes, that's me, Pastor. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm ready to give my life to Christ today. You that are joining us live online today, we want to pray for you too. In fact, let's all pray this prayer together, all of us as one big family. Father, in the name of Jesus, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. I declare you as my Lord. Forgive me from my sin. I will serve you all the days of my life. I receive by faith eternal life. I receive by faith salvation. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him praise today. God bless you. Go back to your seats. Go right ahead and go back to your seats. Thank you. And as you go back to your seats today, I want to remind you that we start a brand new series next week, a brand new four-part series entitled Small Changes, Big Difference. Small Changes, Big Difference. I want to help you understand four very big takeaways that when you apply to your life will produce great results. Amen. See, we think because we've got big problems, and many of us do, it's going to require a big answer to make that big problem go away. But I want to help you understand four very simple things 
that we can change and understand. And when we do, it'll make a very big difference in our life. I look forward to starting that next week. Happy Mother's Day, mothers. God bless you. You've just listened to the sixth and final part of our series, One Month to Live. Beginning May 20th, we start a new series titled, Small Changes, Big Difference. If you happen to be in the Boston area next weekend, please join us. You can get directions at intlfamilychurch.com. Have a great week.